Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, come into our hearts, enlighten us, and strengthen us so that we may do your will for your greater honor and glory and for the benefit of our neighbor. We ask you to bless Todd and his mission and bless this show, all those who listen to it. And let us remember those in our world who are less fortunate. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. Super excited today and just a privilege to have Mr. Toby Aguilar on the show. Welcome to the show, Toby. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be here. All right. You and I met a little, just last week at the Rotary Club uh, downtown, but tell us a little bit about yourself. So, uh, should I start from the beginning? Talk yes. About, well, give us the beginning. Yeah. So, I grew up in Cameron Parish. Nice. Many people around here know Cameron Parish from Holly Beach, right? Right, but, right, uh, right. The Grand Lake, Big Lake area is where I grew up. So, um, grew up to, uh, uh, there's seven of us. My mom and dad had seven kids, and I'm the second to last. We grew up in the church, we grew up in school, and we grew up at home. And that's pretty much the three places we were in when I was growing up. Catholic school? Yes. No, no, no. Grand Lake High School. Okay, so okay. there were no Catholic schools, and there still are no Catholic schools in Cameron Parish. So it's sort of isolated. I'll be. But um, very close-knit community. Everyone knew everybody back when I was growing up there. And it was a great, wonderful place to grow up. We I used were, to duck hunt in Holly Beach. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I was going to say, you know, it, it was common for us to go hunt um, before going to school in the morning. Wow. Yeah, it was great. I love that. Yeah. By the way, we could bring our guns to school at Grand Lake <laughs> in the eighties. That was because okay. oftentimes we would uh, we would go for a, a goose hunt before school started, and of course, um, I remember when the state required people to get the hunter safety course we actually took the course at school and shot skeet over the track in the back so that the the ag teacher gave us our certificates now i know you've done some government work and i'll ask you because i'm curious i used to do finance at the dealership cameron parish didn't have any tax that's right right? still doesn't still still doesn't right still doesn't four percent tax so if you if you if you live in in cameron parish and you buy a car you you only pay four percent wow it's sales yeah i've seen a lot of cameron address I'm sure uh, you have. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So keep going. Let's know. I know um, he's got quite a story, so I want want our listeners to hear it. So, yeah, growing up was a great place to grow up. Had good parents, good family, good friends. And um, and sometime at some point in high school, uh, well, I had great pastors. So Sam Jacobs, who later became the bishop, uh, was my pastor growing up, if you can imagine. Monsignor Mm. DeBlanc was one of my pastors. I mean, I was around these phenomenal priests. I've come to know that these were exceptional priests. I was lucky. And because of it, I wanted to be a priest in high school. It it, it occurred to me, and I felt the calling. And so when I graduated from high school, I went directly into St. Ben's, St. Joseph Seminary College, and graduated studying for the Diocese of Lake Charles. I graduated from seminary, I think it was in 92, and at that time is when I decided to step out. You know, it, it's a tough it's a tough calling, and, and I was a young man, and, and <laughs> you know. They, they say that's, and I learned this on the show, honestly, from a few guests, but they say that's called discerning out. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. It takes time, yeah. you know. I, I don't regret any time I spent in seminary, and I have to say it's one of the best times of my life. And I met great people. Yeah. But it, it, as it turns out, I was called to be married. And, yeah. uh, and I'm very happily married now with kids. So, um, but that's where I, you know, 
that background sent me to the seminary. I, I, you know, growing up like that, I'm not surprised that that's where I ended up with the pastors I had and those kind of influences, you know. So two comments. One is, if he's shooting skeet at, at, at his high school, this guy really is a Cajun Catholic, right? <laughs> I mean, you are like the epitome. And then you go on. But I always wondered, um, do you, do you um, get a supernatural calling do you feel like I mean that priests when they do get that calling was it was it do you feel like it was just a, a decision in your mind or or more so maybe in your heart? No, more in my heart. I, I definitely mm-hmm. felt something special about it. There was something calling me there because when I left, I had met a girl that I was head over heels for. But I got to tell you, my, the the calling was stronger, and, mm-hmm. and and as a result, you know that relationship never uh, panned out. But I, I felt that it was where I needed to be. And I think it certainly was, you know, mm-hmm. that there was something, something sending me there, you know, it wasn't just me, you know, cause it wasn't totally me wanting to go at that moment in my life, you know? So anyway, it was, you know, it's one of those things that over time I realized that I don't think I could handle the celibacy. And, and, and so as a result, you know, I had to really contemplate how I was going to deal with this. And, and really that was it for me. I, I think in many ways, sometimes I wish I were could have been a priest and been yeah, married, right? Because I still feel called to public service, but uh, it just wasn't meant to be, mm-hmm. you know. At least not for me at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, you know, things have changed, and you know, I've moved on with my life, and I'm very happy. All right. So tell me how you and your your wife met. I assume she you boy she hit the lottery because I always say <laughs> girls that find these guys that come out of seminary that that's got to be the best. Well, yeah. So um, I went to law school after after seminary, okay. and it was right after law school that I met my wife, and uh, we met on the dance floor at La Poussière in Bro Bridge. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and we hit it off, and within a couple of years, we were married, wow. and within a couple of years after that, we, we had two children. So, she's so, from, she's from Ville Platte. Okay. I married a girl with a Cajun accent. I love that. And we got married at Sacred Heart Church in Ville Platte. All right. So, contrast law school to, to and I, I, I did a little research on a little bit. I saw you took philosophy in, yes. uh, at St. Ben's, right? And, yes. Uh, so, contrast those two nothing prepared me for law school better than being at the seminary wow. seminary requires a great deal of writing philosophical essays every single class every single day and so as a result the law school admission test frankly was easy for me mm. i don't know why other than that being that the preparation that the monks at saint ben's gave me for that kind of uh education it it, it seemed to work well together and i noticed that Many of my friends that I made in law school, LSU grads and others, they struggled with things like writing, whereas mm-hmm. I didn't because I'd had so much experience with it in in college. And, and you know, the law school admission test, at least at that time, required you to write an essay. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing you could prepare for because you didn't know what the topic was going to be. So I, I often felt, and, and of course also the public speaking aspect. In the seminary, sure. you're, you're presiding over prayer, commonly morning prayer, evening prayer. You go into the Abbey Church, you read in front of hundreds of people. Over time, it becomes easier. And as a result, when I went to law school, the, the mock trials were second yeah. nature to me. I, I didn't have the fear of talking in public, which gave me an edge over everyone else. That's awesome. I, and I have we have some connections. I, I've gone on retreat at the Abbey, and I love the Abbey. And 
I'll make our listeners laugh. You know, they make coffins over there, right? That's right. That's and, right. Uh, and so, that, like, when I was over there, they wanted to sell me a coffin. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and I'm thinking, I do want to buy one because I would love to be buried in one. But what am I going to do with that thing? Like, what yeah, am what I do you do, do with, with it in the meantime? <laughs> For me, it's like I was going to store it in the parts department until, until that time came. But it didn't. that didn't work out. But, um, okay, so philosophy. And I did take some philosophy at LSU. And if my wife is listening, she'll get a kick out of that because she covered for me on a few classes and that stuff is like greek and but um what what get share some things that you might remember from from seminary faith wise maybe that you may have picked up uh, or that you can remember or that come back in your life today so it was during seminary that i developed a, a prayer life for the first time in my life i mean before going to the seminary i thought i had a prayer life and i thought i had a relationship with God, but you know, it, it's at that time that you have that you you could take advantage of what's been offered to you, and that is you're in this day to day setting where prayer is a part of your everyday schedule. So whether you like it or not, <laughs> you you know, and so you know, but but I think that was the greatest gift to me. With the seminary was more than just the education; it was the development of my relationship with Jesus. And I and I think that I noticed that mine seems to be different than a lot of the folks I know. Mm-hmm. I, and I th- and I attribute all of it came to me when I was there. So I, I feel like I have a deep spiritual relationship with our Lord. I think that it goes in some ways beyond sacraments. You know, I, I, I will always believe in the sacraments, but my spiritual relationship with the Lord, it goes beyond that. Mm-hmm. And, and I was very fortunate to be able to develop that during that time in my life because it has continued and stay, stayed with me ever since. Yeah, I hear that faith in your voice for sure, no doubt. Um, that's that's such so, so nice, such a foundation. And, you know, it's hard as businessmen in, in this town, any other town, uh, to, to kind of juggle faith and, and, and business, but I, I feel like it's something that, that you're doing well. I, I heard an interview that you did regarding children and, and, and regarding the internet, and it seems like a passion of yours to protect children, but talk yes. a little bit about that. So in, my, in the course of my career, after law school, I became an assistant district attorney, then later an assistant uh, attorney general. I went to work for Richard Ayub and later for Charles Fody, and it was during those years that my niche became prosecuting and investigating internet crimes against children, which is primarily child pornography cases and internet predator cases. Mm-hmm. And that became not only my niche, but my passion. And there was a lot of, you know, it's a lot of reward in rescuing kids from those types of situations and identifying those who would exploit them. And uh, I just absolutely love the work. It was challenging. But we were, we was cutting edge. This was in the, starting in the year 2000 and beyond. So Richard Ayub came to me one day and said, listen, we're starting a high-tech crime unit. I'm assigning you to it. And I was like, Richard, I'm the least technical guy in the office. I mean, I went to the seminary and we worked on the farm, right? We didn't have computers. He said, it's okay, you can do it. And, and so he had this vision. I'll never forget him saying, you know, there's going to come a time when everyone in our community has a phone in their hand and law enforcement is going to need us to help them go through evidence on things like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, Richard, you, you're crazy. That's mm-hmm. never going to happen. You see, so he had the vision and I was so fortunate to be a part of that. And as a result, I, you know, by the time I left the attorney general's office, I was deputy director of the high tech crime unit. It had expanded Jeez. to dozens of investigators. I was able to prosecute cases uh, on behalf of the state, and I was. And one of the things I'm most proud of is I was able to go around the country teaching prosecutors how to prosecute these new cases, mm-hmm. and and teach investigators 
how to investigate them on behalf of the Department of Justice. So that was a real thrill for me, and I enjoyed meeting folks all over the country. And and it has always been a certain uh, pride in knowing that we've literally arrested and identified thousands of pre- mm. child predators that were in our communities that otherwise would have never been identified. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I don't hear a big accent in your voice, but um, <laughs> but um, I, I hear you say you've been traveling. So I'll ask the question. You know, do, when you do your traveling, do, do people think of you as Cajun? You know, no, I don't think so. I don't. Like, I don't have that accent now. My yeah. wife, when when we go back to Vilplat and we stay for a little amount of time, like for Christmas for a few days, she yeah. has the accent. Right. And I married her. That's part of the reason. That was <laughs> right. Uh, you know, my parents were French speaking Cajuns. So oh. Grand Lake at that with the time I grew up, there was a pocket of Cajun culture and we had boucheries at the house and and all that so I grew up in our in our in our culture but I guess I've lost my accent over the years <laughs> that's that is really cool T- tell me in your family back home uh whether it's parents or grandparents who really laid that fa- spiritual foundation for you oh it starts with everyone my my dad and his brothers and my grandfather had uh, made the Curcio early in the 70s mm. and, and that was a life-changing spiritual awakening for all of them and and so um like i said i was second yeah i was second to last in the family so my my mom and dad had five kids they took a break and then they had me and my little brother later so i grew up with unlike my older siblings i grew up with a dad who church was priority one (laughs) (laughs) and so so it shouldn't you know it's no surprise dad dad had 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 discovered his spirituality and had discovered, you know, uh, the true sense of the church and what it meant, and and he was a, a real Christian. My mother the same. Mm-hmm. I, I often say I reflect on this. My mom and dad, I can count on one hand the amount of time I can. It only takes three fingers. The amount of times I ever heard the, either of them say a cuss word. Jeez. My dad once, my mom twice. I still remember that. Right. Mm-hmm. Just we didn't grow up with that sort of thing around it was yeah. you know it, you know and, and i'm ashamed to say that my kids can't say the same about well, me <laughs> you know maybe we have more to curse about <laughs> so yeah it was you know it was that but it was also a community of faith grand uh-huh. lake even though we didn't have the catholic school everyone knew each other at the school mm-hmm. and uh and it was a small community pretty much everyone went to the same church well there was only two there was a faith temple and there was a catholic church saint mary's everyone still knew everybody but um, you know, it was it was really just a yeah. fantastic place to grow up, and and so my the folks around me, the pastors I mentioned, Monsignor DeBlanc, uh, Father Sam Jacobs, I mean, just, just unbelievably salt of the earth, right. Huh? I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to Cajun Catholics, and today's guest is Mr. Toby Aguilard. He is the former police chief in Lafayette, a current attorney, and uh, and I was really excited to hear uh, his seminary experience and story when we met last week. But tell us how the law enforcement kind of kind of got involved in your life. Oh, yeah. So yeah. while I was in the seminary, I, I went to the sheriff in Cameron Parish, a, a man named Sono Salvoa. And I told him, listen, I would like to have a job in the summertime working at the sheriff's office. And uh, he said, well, what are you going to college for? And I said, well, I'm going to the seminary. And when he put two and two together, so it was the opportunity for him to have me in his uniform on weekdays and in a Roman collar on weekends. And he thought that was a political win. So I was instantly hired at the age of 17. Before I graduated from high school, the sheriff swore me in. Gave me a badge and a gun and said, congratulations, you're a deputy. And he said, when, as soon as you graduate from high school, just come on over and you'll, you'll get started day one. 
<laughs> that's amazing. So that's where it started for me. And, and, and that's where my love of law enforcement grew is mm-hmm. over the years in the seminary, I worked for him. And in fact, when I got out, when I graduated from St. Ben's, he hired me on full time. Uh, while I could still consider whether I'd go back in the seminary, I didn't know what I was going to do yet. But that's what I was doing when I was discerning that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I really discovered that I loved law enforcement. But you just couldn't make enough money at it, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when law school came in the picture. Because I, honestly, I thought I could I could go to law school; it will enhance my law enforcement career, and and maybe I can make a living out of it. Yeah, I, I tell this story, and it's not as funny as I think it is. But yeah, uh, I, I had gone; I, I had a little passion to go to law school as well. But my grades were bad, and I went to LSU, and I I came home with the L set, and I asked my father, and he he said, "Oh no, take out the phone book," and I. I turned to the attorney, Yellow Pages, and there's like, what, 3,000 attorneys in Lafayette. And he says, well, okay, go to the automotive section. And there was only one Ford dealer in Lafayette. So that was the end of my law career. <laughs> Your dad was a wise man. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, you know, when I made Curcio, and you, you mentioned it was life-changing. Did you make Curcio? I never did. Not yet. No. Uh, when I, you heard me say not yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but when I made it, it did change my life forever. And, and one of the things that was supernatural, I'll say, is when I walked out of there for a long time in my life, I could see evil very clearly. Mm-hmm. I could see God as well in, in many things. But one thing that I was able to d- discern evil very, very clearly, I knew it was around. I could sense it. I could see it in, in others. And, and and so you, being around a lot of crime and what you do, and I, got, I know having a good spiritual life, have you, did, can, I mean, does that feel like Maybe that helped you find this evil, and I'm sure you see a lot of evil. Absolutely, there's no question about it. Now, and there were, and it's funny you mentioned that because I was just telling my daughter this recently, maybe within the last week. This somehow this came up, but there were there were a couple times in my career when we were executing search warrants at child pornography collectors' residences, and there were at least two times when me and my partner. You could the, the evil was so palpable when we walked into this place that you could feel it. Mm. It was you could almost smell it. It was it was that that present. And these were among some of the worst people I have ever come across. And and so it was real. Absolutely, yeah. it was real. And 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 certainly, I think I got a sense of that. I remember my partner the first time it happened asking me. Some, he said something is what's up with this place i said it's evil man this is evil wow. you're in you're in the you're in the den of the lion here so how do you handle the compassion you know one thing with the with 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 clergy and you know maybe some of the things that have happened in the church it's a hard thing to wrestle with the evil and also have compassion at the same time sure no it's difficult working those types of cases made so, so one one of the things that made me good at working cases that involve child predators was I had the unique ability among the investigators to remain calm enough to do a thorough interview with the target or the defendant. Mm-hmm. The interview is so important in any criminal investigation, and, and, and I had a way of, of, of getting these guys to talk to me. And that's what made uh, many of my cases successful, because oftentimes in these cases, you don't have a lot of evidence to go on. You know, you, you have what brought you into the house, but you really need these people to talk to you. And uh, I think over time, people, at least the investigators I work with, would recognize 
that we need to get Toby over here to come interview because otherwise I'm going to kill him. You know, the, yeah. there's this, you know, because you, you go and you see what these these folks, in terms of child pornography, you right. see what these guys are viewing and it makes, it will make any parent so angry. Mm. But I was able to, uh, to keep myself calm enough to get a good interview most of the time. And so it, I guess that's what made it my niche. Yeah. Tell me, uh, uh, I'll turn to some spiritual things. Give me a little behind-the-scenes look at your prayer life. What, what does that look like today, maybe opposed to what it, what it used to look like? Oh, so it was very structured back in the day, right? <laughs> back, <laughs> I bet. Even growing up, and then, of yeah. course, with seminary, very structured. So it's, it, So your spiritual life, um, I've discovered that if you don't provide the structure that you need, uh, obviously it's not going to remain. So you have to find places, and, and so some of the things I do is, is I have to have time to myself, you know, and even, um, I th- you know, I often think that's one of the things that, uh, it's one of the reasons I thought I could be a priest, because I knew, I've always known this about me, I need time to myself. No, no wife, no kids, I need to have that quiet time, and now I get it early in the morning, I usually get up before everybody else. And that's when I have Tell me what time. Yeah, between, you know, 5, 5.15, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you get up and, and, and I can have my time, maybe have my cup of coffee and, and my time with the Lord. And then from there, it, 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 it goes day by day. But I, I do try to do things like um, one thing that's important to me is, a t- is I try to go on retreat at least once a year. Mm-hmm. And, and my retreats are at Grand Coteau. I love the retreat house and, 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 and have, you know, tried to go regularly for many years and I started back in the 90s and when we have one coming up in April that I'm looking forward to but beyond that so with COVID right we we were uh, pushed away from our churches you know big time and and that really you know I've done a lot of praying and a lot of thinking about that is um, was that the right thing to do you know was that uh, you know, because part of me said, you know, we've told our folks for years in, in the Catholic community that not going to church on Sunday is, is not only uh, a problem, it's a sin, right? And so, and, and here we are in the midst of this COVID, but then, but was it necessary? And, and at the time, we probably thought it was. Now I think back and think, well, maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. Well, yeah. But I, know, I do know this. We were pushed away from the sacrament. And what I discovered throughout that time for me is, um, you know, I think that sometimes I can be away from the sacrament and still maintain. I mean, I, I, I feel like I've been able to keep my relationship up even though I was um, pushed away from the sacrament for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Rachel and I moved to town um, after I became chief, one of the things that I wanted to do was try to go to as many of the churches here in Lafayette as I could just to kind of be present mm-hmm. and and one of their great discoveries by the way was uh, Queen of Peace <laughs> of love. Father Hampton yeah well Father Hampton was there now it's Father yeah. Duyon but right. the people there is is wonderful the choir place. you know and 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 you know COVID has 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 you know what was a very you'd go the church was full very charismatic the, right. the choir the wonderful choir all of the you know was was wonderful my kids loved it you know hour and a half at mass at queen of peace my kids would say dad it, it seemed like it only lasted 30 minutes you know awesome. it was one of those experiences but um but with covid you know many much of that had to go away a lot of the folks are afraid to go to church and 
I see that across, you know, but I've, I've particularly seen it in our in the black community, mm-hmm. and and it hurts to see that. But you know, you know, it's it's one of these things I've given a lot of thought to. I don't know the answer. You know, I'm still thinking wow. about it, still praying about it. But we were talking about keeping up your prayer life, and yeah. and, and and so for I think for many of us, the whole COVID experience has 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 taken away some of what we had that kept us going. You know, that structure that we need. Yeah, and I and I worry about what how that has affected most people's spiritual life and their relationship with our mm-hmm. Lord. You do a lot of Bible reading, or used to? Not as much as I should. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we can all say that, right? Right. You have a favorite Bible character hmm. or story? Wow. Well, I love the fact that the Gospel of Mark is one of the earliest, and I love the fact that there's reference, possibly, you know, the the experts say there's a reference to Mark in there. But yeah, yeah, you know, okay. I think yeah. we should tell that story. You know, right when Jesus drops the cloth, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and they come to arrest him. Uh, my buddy and I kind of discovered that uh, that story, and we've talked about it a lot. But uh, Jesus drops his loincloth, or, or the the guy does, the young kid. And um, and they believe it was Mark writing himself into into the gospel. You know, yeah. it's it's a strange part of the story. Right, right. Yeah. It just makes you wonder. You know, that's cool. But uh, I can't say I have a. You know, it, it just depends on the time, I, the event or the occasion. Yeah. I suppose. You know. Yeah. Another comment about that, though. I don't know if you've heard this, but like I heard that Mark's parents owned the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, really? See, yeah. I've never heard that. And and the reason he was there is because he was sleeping, and and okay. because he had the white loincloth that represented wealth, and and so it that they, because they owned it, they had a little bit of money, because they said that you know otherwise they, he would have been sleeping naked, I guess. Right. I don't know. You know, I've heard those things. I I love that kind of stuff. Well, okay, so um, uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, what's, in, what's in your future. I know that some things potentially on, on, the, on the horizon for you. Uh, how's the law business? The law business is great, yeah. and, and so very rewarding. I've never, I've never wanted to practice civil law, but have discovered later in life that I've, I've found myself uh, in this position, and I have to say I'm enjoying it a lot more than I ever thought I would. Mm-hmm. So I'm working at a, a Gar Law firm here in Lafayette, and and great people, and and we, we it's a personal injury firm, but we do more than that. And one of my great joys lately is is being able to assist people that I never could before. So you know, like I'm representing some police officers right now, and and I'm representing you know um, folks who um, have lost loved ones, you know, and. And, and so that I'm getting, I guess, some spiritual fulfillment from helping people in need, you know. And so in some ways it's a ministry. Yeah. And I know? can tell just through your whole life that you get, you're get you a giving person. And I, I see the joy of the Lord in, in, your, in your voice and in your eyes, no doubt about it. You have a deep faith. And uh, it's just awesome to have you on the show here today. Um, so, uh, again, um, I'll ask this question. Like, have you thought about what you want your legacy to be? Oh, Hmm. I can't say that I have. I don't know. I've never <laughs> thought about it. Kind of working with our head down, huh? Yeah. You know, I, I hope that um, I hope that my kids think of me in the same way that I think of my parents. You know, I I hope I hope I've given them that. You know, that I hope. I guess that's one one thing I've thought about. But other than that, not really. 
I like that though. I like that's a good. That's good. I I, ho- I wish the same thing for myself. You know. Yeah. Um, that's just beautiful. Well, again, just a minute left on the show. Um, just such a, a blessing to have you here on the show, Toby. And um, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, doggone him. I had all these questions, good questions for you to ask today. But uh, you, you've been such a special guest. Um, difference between Cameron and Lafayette. Big difference. Oh, yeah. Worlds, well, worlds apart. So worlds apart in many ways, yeah. and things have changed a lot since I left Cameron Parish, but. Um, still, uh, the, the, what's the same is great people, yeah. um, and and I grew up in Cajun culture, so for me, Lafayette is very similar to where I grew up. Uh, in fact, maybe even more so, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, same great people. Well, I think you found a home here, and I know we're blessed to have you in our community. And I want to thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Todd. Appreciate All right, it. you had Mr. Toby Aguilard uh, today on the show. Works at Gar Law Firm uh, here in Lafayette, and uh, former police chief, and, and again, just a, a soldier for Christ. Again, Toby, thank you for being on the show. As always, we uh, a- a challenge our listeners to engage the Cajun Catholic and youth. Till next time, God bless. Thank you.